begin transmission. It is 2024, and I'm joined by Ben for episode 135 of Outer Rim Transmission, our first episode for 2024. And we're doing things a little bit differently. We're kind of talking about Star Wars, but kind of not in an abstract way. We're kicking things off this year, mixing things up a bit. We're comparing Zack Snyder's recently released Rebel Moon with Star Wars. Um, we're going to be diving into those details because all oh, way back when Zack Snyder originally pitched this as a Star Wars movie to Lucasfilm and they declined and he went his old way. And years and years later, Netflix said, okay, let's run with it. So yes, we have part one of two of the Rebel Moon uh, movie, whatever you want to call it. Yes, it is a movie. So we're going to be diving into that, the differences, the things that, that are kind of similar to it, just contrast and compare these two things. So it should be a pretty fun show here. How's it going, Ben? How's your new year going so far? Yeah, good, good. I mean, just getting back into the swing of things and working out. Had to take had to had to take off the uh, the whole New Year's kickoff like everybody else with their fitness goals because I had a I had a slight injury, but I'm gonna get back to working out tomorrow. So that's exciting to actually finally like be back and like get into it. So uh, so you know I have that going on, and then you know just had a good Christmas with everybody, and yeah, it was just a nice nice little. Um, I guess we all had a holiday break, so it was a good time there, and. You know, now it's just, it's going to be fun getting back into the swing of things of our normal, like, routine on here, and then, of course, um, you know, just our, our weekly lives right now. I mean, it's it's winter time. Today was our first big snow of the year, so it's it's beginning. So, as Jon Snow, winter is, winter is coming, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're back. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how much, how many inches did you get by age? We got, like, an inch uh, just since 8 a.m. Oh, okay. So, Okay. So it's okay. been it's been a good amount because like you know over here like it's either like forty five degrees or it's like ten degrees and today it was like freezing and everything so it's like yeah it's like winter it's time for winter time and we're expected to get a lot more snow later in the week so it's it's gonna be gonna be a good time so we have that and you know we're gonna have a inter- have a good time talking about Rebel Moon like you said you know just throwing a little bit of variety on the podcast too this year. Um, here and there just because like you know we're in we're in a lot of um not dull areas but like kind of blank areas for any star wars content or any news for that matter because you know we've seen how like they market things and they you know we never even hear about anything until like you know four to six weeks from the show or movie releasing so you know at this point you know we're just kind of like the blank time for any sort of star wars news really yeah, I I fully expect, and, and everybody out there, take this with a grain of salt, I, I have a good feeling we're going to learn some pretty big Star Wars news this upcoming week. When you think about it, last week was kind of a wash for most studios, most companies. Most people only had like a, a four-day or a three-day week, so you know, they're getting back into their groove, the, the execs and everybody else. And next week is this upcoming week, this is the first full week business is back i think that's what we're going to see but also echo will be out on tuesday and once echo is out there's like nothing marvel related for we don't even know when it's it's a huge blank slate for marvel but as we know star wars fans we have tales of the jedi we have bad batch we have the acolyte we have skeleton crew i think this is going to be the year of star wars at least on disney plus so i fully expect like maybe wednesday or thursday once echo's already out that's in the rearview mirror disney's always 
pointing us to the next best thing. And I think we're going to either get like the Bad Batch announcement, maybe the Acolyte announcements, maybe both. Maybe they'll just put out a big say, thing saying, hey, this is what you could expect. I would love to see like, oh, quarter one, we're getting this, quarter two. They have enough content to put out something out in every quarter. And I fully expect that's what they would do if they want to, you know, trickle this stuff out, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they could easily do that. I think um, kind of with the logic of, you know, like I just mentioned, like kind of like the four to six week window of, you know, announcing something potentially like 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 they've done before. You know, maybe like you said, once they get Echo out, say if Bad Batch is in four to six weeks from now, say if it's like end, you know, mid to end of February or even March, you know, maybe this week or maybe the fall. I think within the next two weeks, I could see us maybe getting some sort of news. Yeah, we just got to keep the, you know, as much as we want to keep the fans of peace also about, hey, we got to keep subscribers on Disney Plus. So Percy Jackson's mm-hmm. going strong for the live action. Uh, Echo will be out and will be done because it's all being released on the same day. I'm so excited for that. As a big Daredevil fan here, that's he's going to show up at some point. Kingpin is all over the all over the uh, marketing there. So there's so two characters I really love in Marvel. So. I'll show up just for them, and hopefully Echo uh, as a character is, is is pretty cool as well. Yeah, it was a hit it and miss for me with with the her introduction Hawkeye. I think maybe she should have shown up somewhere else. But mm-hmm. anyways, I'm excited for that. Did you get any cool like Star Wars gifts for the holidays at all? Um, I got a I got like a big twenty pack of different like. Star Wars socks, actually, from my uncle. Oh, I got one of those, too. Yeah. Yep, honestly, it was like a big 20-pack of Star Wars socks, so I have those now. Um, and then, let me think. That might have actually been my only Star Wars gift this year, because I had that. I had... Oh, actually, I did have something else. So I had that, and I had a big... Um, you know, everybody knows the classic Christmas popcorn tins that, you know, you see... Um, at the store that are like six bucks or whatever, like the big tins. And my mom got me a big Star Wars tin, and it has like a bunch of different like characters all over it and stuff. And it's like you know full of popcorn. So I had that, and I was snacking on that over winter break. But um, yeah, those were the only really two Star Wars gifts I got this year was just a big popcorn tin, and then those socks. Yeah. Speaking of pop, I got a pop. This is the Book of Boba Fett. We're actually. Season two Mandalorian after credit scene of mm. good old Boba Fett sitting on Jabba's throne, flanked by Fennec Shan with her bottle of spotchka, her tiny miniature bottle of spotchka. I appreciate that detail. Yeah, I, this is the first kind of set piece sort of pop I have. I don't actively go after these things, but I certainly enjoy them. Um, even more so, people give them to me as gifts. I'm like, heck yeah. So I still got to find a spot for this. This thing, I, I love Boba Fett. I don't know. You know the show. I, I I can't believe it's been like two years. Like I'm I'm I was just about to hit live on this video, and it popped up on my Facebook memories of one of the episodes that we reviewed here on Outer Room Transmission. A social post I made was like, "Hey, remember this happened from two years ago?" It's like, what? It's been that long already that we've been living with um, Damio Boba Fett. So <laughs> yeah, I got this. Um, I also got a really cool Mandalorian style like gym bag from my girlfriend for uh, Heroes and Villains, which is a great brand if you haven't had anything from them recently. They're like a designer brand 
for nerds, essentially. They have really good quality stuff, really great original designs, and this bag has it all. It has the Mythosaur skull. It's like basically like that dark, like camouflage, like army kind of print. It's got um, a separate bag that's like a wet bag. If you have like board shorts or something, you're going swimming, you can throw it in there and you're not going to get anything else wet. They have a special compartment for your shoes. So it's a really good bag. I also have a book bag from them, which I go to conventions with, and it's like my X-Wing pilot bag that can hold a helmet. Like I walked around <laughs> with my Mando helmet with the thing strapped to the back. I also have a um, Rogue Squadron, like, cool bomber jacket I got from them at Comic-Con one year. So yeah, I'm not even going to be sponsored by them. I would love to be sponsored by them. But yeah, I, I mean, here's the villains. Great, great stuff there. So I yeah, got that. I mean, yeah. Oh, go on. That's basically Star Wars related. That's what I got. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, oh, another thing too to mention that you got. Um, hey, I mean, you probably weren't, weren't expecting this, but another thing I was going to mention as well over the break was, you know, I got really far into the first um, Thrawn duology book. I only have like three hours left of that. You know, it's an audio book. And, you know, that one's really good as always because it like continues on, um, you know, like Luke and Mara and Han and Leia and like the whole gang. Um you know, that takes place 10 years after the Thrawn trilogy, trilogy. So I'm, like, getting that wrapped up here soon within the next day or two, a couple days. And then I'm going to start on the second book of that. And then um, we'll see what we're doing next for the audiobooks. And I was going to, like, bring that up, you know, just because, like, you know, Star Wars audiobooks are such, like, a big part of, like, especially, like, me and Milton, like, our content consumption for Star Wars. And I was going to say, Chris, you might have a thing to put on the radar of people that might not know, like, um, in terms of like audiobooks, where they can get them at, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Because just today, I, I found out about a, a couple days ago, but then I said, I'm at work today. You know, I'm doing just stocking shelves in a refrigerator. I'm isolated. I'm not with anybody. So I usually listen to music or I usually listen to podcasts. And in today's case, I was listening to an audiobook. So I, it was brought to my attention that Spotify, if you're a premium listener, you can, a premium subscriber, you also get like, I think it's like the entire catalog of everything that Audible has of Star Wars or anything else you could possibly want. It's 15 hours a month. And it, 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 that equates to about a, a book or two books. Because I picked yeah. my first book, audio book, is Red Harvest by um, Joe Schreiber, who is the writer of Death Troopers. This is kind of the prequel. So I've been listening to that book. And that book is pretty sure, I believe, because the, the audio book is only about seven and a half hours long. So... Um, I might be able to squeeze another Star Wars audiobook in the next 30 days if I finish this one, um, which probably won't take me much longer than a week. But yeah, I mean, it's really great to have another because I'm also a Prime subscriber. So I could basically go on Audible, get a Star Wars audiobook on there. What do you get, like one a month there if you're a subscriber yep. to Audible? So I could get my book over there. <laughs> if I finish enough, then I could go over to Spotify, listen to another Star Wars audiobook. And, you know, I, I love to read because for me as a, you know, content creator, I'm, I'm making content for you guys here on the reviews and different things. And it's easier for me to just like, l like read the books and jot down notes. But for like legends, I'm not covering legends. So I don't mind listening to them, you know, on auto audio version. Cause I don't, if I skip like a line or something, I, I don't feel like I need to go back to like write that detail down or something. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. I get the general gist of the story. I'm all right. Um, so that, that's kind of cool. Cause now I'm, you know, on the, on the days where I'm like running out of podcasts, 
it's like, oh crap, I'll just listen to music. Well, now it's like, oh, I could just listen to a Star Wars audiobook instead for whatever time of my shift I have left, you know? Yeah. Well, the good thing, too, with the Star Wars audiobooks, like in this one, um, for example, that I'm listening to, the, uh, the first duology book, like in these books, most of the time, the chapters are anywhere between, you know, as short as like 25 minutes up to like 55 minutes. So, you know, you know, you don't have to go and tear through an audiobook, like say if it's, you know, eight hours, ten hours, or whatever. You know, you don't have to tear through it in one ten-hour day. You can just be like, "Oh, listen to a chapter a day, like thirty minutes a day." Yeah. You know, spread it, spread it out over a month. Boom, you're good to go. Like, it's not, you know, that's not bad because, like, that's kind of how it is, like with Audible. You know, basically, um, you can, you know, it's pretty much it equates to one book a month is what it is, and that's basically what that is for, like the Spotify setup. Fifteen hours on average. That's pretty much. You know, there's no there's no Star Wars audiobook I've ran into that's that's been over that yet. Like the highest okay. I think was the highest I think for the was was the third book for the Thrawn trilogy. I think that was 14 hours maybe or 13. So, you know, there are some that are up there, but other than that, like you know, most of them like you said are 8, 10, 12, 11, like, you know, they're not bad on hours and you can easily spread that out over a month if you just listen to a chapter here or there versus like you know, you can it's just like anything else. If you binge watch a show in one day, it's done. <laughs> like mm. Yeah, yeah. So the first book I picked was Red Harvest, as I said, and I'm I'm on chapter four, I believe, and oh my gosh, like you talk about a dark Star Wars book set in the old republic. It's it immediately grabbed my attention because um it, it's all about the Sith and you're you're from the point of view of a Sith acolyte. And this guy has been mind-controlled by another initiate to fight him. And this character that he has to fight is, a, is, is one of the initiates, but he's very powerful, very dominant. And, you know, other characters have fought and, and in some cases even killed themselves because of the shame of losing to him and the humiliation that they suffered because of losing this training battle. So this guy, I think his name's like Nectar or something like that, but anyway, he's fighting this guy, and he had he he says, "Okay, I accept your duel," and like he didn't even intend to say that. Like he was straight up mind controlled to say yes to this guy. And then he's fighting this guy. And the fight is like thirty seconds long, and the guy slashes his back close enough to sever his spinal cord, and he's leaning into the blade. These aren't lightsabers; these are like um, vibro swords, I believe. And in his mind, he's trying to resist against the urge of throwing his, his own body with his own free will onto this, this uh, sword that this initiate has. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, like it's going into the psyche of somebody trying to resist a Jedi mind trick, essentially. Um, so it's, it, it gets really brutal. And it gets to the point where like, this guy survives only because the guy doesn't actually push him to actually do it. But then he's... Basically, this poor guy can't catch a break because then he's, you know, in the hospital, like trying to get rejuvenated. And then he is shepherded out in the middle of the night and he wakes up and he's in like a tiny little cage. And he's like, there's these Sith, like alchemist, like experiments that are going on with this guy. And it has to do with these like flower, black lotus flower things, which I think are the black wing virus things. And they're being like introduced into his spine through like these six tubes coming out of his spine, and he's just realizing that is is his awakening. And the Sith Lord is there, like 
just looking at him and not even saying a word. And he's like, what are you, what is he looking at? He realized, oh my gosh, my back hurts so much because yeah, they just put these tubes in me and now they're, they're injecting the tubes with whatever this flower thing is. And now I'm in in intense pain to the point where he just passes out. So this is like an incredibly graphic, incredibly horrifying Star Wars book. I'm like, I'm happy I picked this one because like just the way that this sounds, you know, the usual audio book uh, effects and, and the sound effects and the lights, everything is just so well done. It's not narrated by Mark Thompson. I'll have to pull up in a second to see who, who reads it. But yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good one. Um, especially like you said, it's 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 a kind of a pseudo prequel to Death Troopers. So, it's a it's really good because it sets up the entire like like that basis of the Blackwing virus. I'm um, I'm pretty sure. Narrated by John Glover. Now I've not I've not recognized that guy's name with Star Wars, and I haven't actually. I don't know when this actually came out. I don't know. Um, if it was remastered or anything like that, because it's not Essential Legends. But mm-hmm. I, th- the reason why I picked this one also is because next to Knight Errant, I believe this is the only Legends Star Wars book I have not read. Mm-hmm. And as I was saying before, I'm, 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 it's in my ideas of, of starting from Dawn of the Jedi, the, the Void, and going all the way forward. I have the material. I could do it. I'm just finishing a George R. R. Martin book right now, and then I'll probably start that right afterwards. We'll we'll see. But because the only reason why I say we'll see is because thanks to the fine people over at Disney Lucasfilm Press, they have sent me a nice little care package, and I now have the upcoming two Star Wars The High Republic Phase 3 books. I have Escape from Valo. i got to turn my camera on so I can see if this is coming in the frame. Escape from Valo here. Started that one, great book. And then I have The High Republic, Defy the Storm. This is the next young adult novel. So thanks to those folks. I will be getting these reviews out to you guys out ASAP. Whenever a new Star Wars books come out, I usually just kind of put all my hobbies on the side and just, you know, barrel through these things because I do enjoy them. Not just because it's like, oh, I have to get these up fast. I'm like, I'm like usually intrigued, engaged enough to be like, I want to finish this. And so far, so good. Daniel's a... Daniel Jose Older and Alyssa Wong are teaming up to write uh, Escape from Ballo. And then you have Justina Ireland and Tessa Gratton are writing Defy the Storm. So uh, we got Escape from Ballo is out at the end of this month. And then Defy the Storm is out in, I think, on March 1st. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. But super pumped to see High Republic thriving. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean... I know uh, they're really expanding it out, especially with the Acolyte coming up. Like that's, it's a, uh, it's gonna be a good time for the higher public. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm I'm so pumped to see some of these characters make the make the leap from the pages to the screen, such as Vernestra Rowe. Cannot wait to see. And actually, that one book, Defy the Storm, is actually a Vernestra Rowe book. So. There we go. That's going to whet our appetite before we actually see her in live action for the first time. Yeah. And one final thing to say. Oh my gosh, with over 20 minutes in and we're not even in our main topic. That's classic (laughs) outer room transmission for you. So this evening, my niece and nephew are over. And I got my nephew, Young Jedi Adventure, 
toys. We we had our our gifts exchange this evening because things were hectic last week for Christmas. We just didn't get around to it. So anyway, they got their gifts today. I got my my nephew a nub stuffy. I got him a nub speeder bike, little action figure, and I got him uh, the vector, like actual ship that the Jedi fly back in the High Republic. So he was really happy. So we started watching, we started watching Young Jedi Adventures in the back room as we're eating our dessert. And then, and they, and they love that. They love that show. Her, my, my niece is eight. My nephew is four. And then I, I was like, hey, how do you guys, you guys want to watch Clone Wars? And they're like, yeah, okay. They, they don't know what it is. So mm -hmm. I just turned on the Clone Wars movie of all things. Like, who would ever think that the first movie I would introduce my niece and nephew to with the Star Wars universe would be the freaking Clone Wars movie from 2008. But they freaking loved it. Like, they were... We only watched, like, the first, like, 15 minutes, like, up to the point where Ahsoka and Anakin are sneaking behind the shield generator um, to yep. go and sneak and take out the, the shields. But, like, they were basically damn near crying because they had to go to sleep because they have school tomorrow and they had to leave to go to bed you know eight o'clock and i was like dang they they're really hooked on star wars they're asking me like oh who's that who's the bad guys who's the good guys i was like oh yeah that's you know this is um you know padme is the is the mother of leia and all this stuff and mm -hmm. they're like where's leia she's not alive yeah you know it's like oh where's Grogu? and then and the common thing kept coming up because even my aunt was in a room yoda would pop up and then my mom would also be like, oh, that's baby Yoda. And then my, my, yep. my niece would be like, why is he so old? And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, well, you don't understand. Everybody's been confusing baby Yoda. It's not actually a baby version of Yoda. It's like a baby that looks like Yoda. It's not actually Yoda. But this is Yoda. This is Grandmaster Yoda. And then I was trying, it was like funny, because I was like sitting here trying to explain the difference between Grogu <laughs> and Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> yeah, basically. And they're like, oh, okay. So there you have it. I finally did it. Well, I showed I showed those kids Star Wars. And uh, I don't know how many other people could say they showed the Clone Wars movie as their first Star Wars experience. Uh, I I definitely would not have thought to introduce that way, but that's a good that's a good way to do it. Um, <laughs> I actually, you know, talk, you talking about your your um, relatives and like you you showing them, you know, the Star Wars, um, you know, showing Clone Wars and all this. Um, that actually reminds me while we were on winter break as well. My two and a half year old niece, she loved my uh my disney parks luke blue lightsaber oh the, yeah the traditional skywalker saber and she loved that thing like when she realized you could turn it on yeah. like like she she was carrying it around for a solid two hours she just kept swinging it around swinging it around just walking around our house just swinging it and you know and she just loved it and she kept walking around going blue blue um so that was also another little star wars experience we had um and then speaking of grogu Look soon, like you said, people with Grogu, even though he's not as like as big as what it was, you know, you know, in Mando season one and season two, like even my one year, my one year old niece, she just turned one. And when she was crawling around um, over here two days ago, she spotted my little electronic Grogu out in the living room oh, yeah. and she just like 
She just like locked onto that thing and was smiling and crawled right up to it and just kept grabbing its ears, making it talk and move. And she just kept laughing and laughing and laughing. And, <laughs> you know, it was so great. Like my sister has a video on it. It's so cute because, you know, you have her sitting up, she keeps hitting it in the head and, you know, it keeps moving around and stuff. And she just kept laughing at it. And it was like, they were sitting there talking to each other almost, you know? Um, so it's just crazy to see how, you know, Grogu's like, interesting even to little kids that like that like a one-year-old that can't communicate you know like they see him and they're like "Ooh, gotta check it out so um you know they whoever like you know them they like really struck gold making grogu um especially because there's so many young kids you know like your nieces and nephews like mine you know that have been introduced to grogu and now they're going to grow up with grogu and kind of like be indir indirectly introduced to star wars like via that one character oh yeah Oh, yeah. It is quite the thing, and nobody knew it was ever going to be that biz that that famous, or nobody knew it was going to be that popular, popular enough to be like every kid was intrigued. They, they got, they nailed the design. They absolutely nailed the design there. Oh, yeah. All right. So I think it is time to get into the show proper, but first, housekeeping is in order. We go live every Sunday evening. Go ahead, subscribe to the channel because we usually go live anywhere between. We're going to try to get back to 7 p.m. around 7, 7.15. So make sure you subscribe because that way you'll know exactly when we begin to go live. And then we have our chat that is always lively and positive. So if you want to be part of that community here on Star Raptor, make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit that like button to show your support. And we are available to download on any podcast streaming app of your choice. Just search out of room transmission. Apparently Google podcast is going to be deleted in April. So you can find us on Spotify and Apple music and Amazon, I think has a streaming service and there's a lot of other ones, but yeah, yep. just search out of room transmission. You'll be sure to find us there and please on any platform, social media, YouTube, whatever, Please comment and like and share our podcast so more of you guys can join in our awesome community here. And for releases this week, you know, look, you know, it's been holiday season, but comics are keep on rolling on. And we have Darth Vader issue number 42 starts a new arc as the first um, issue that follows the Dark Droid saga, which has now concluded. And we also have Shadows of Starlight issue number four, which is the fourth and final piece of this miniseries that branches us between the one year gap between phase one and three of the High Republic. So you can check out my review there. You could also check out the long form discussion that me and Matthew had over on the Tractor Beam Weekly Show we do on Wednesday nights. That is available on the Star Wars Underworld Network. So go ahead and subscribe over there to see my in-depth thoughts and, and Matthew's very in-depth thoughts on every comic release. We go live every Wednesday at 9 p.m. It's comic book day. What better way to spend it by having a lively discussion with the community right there on the Star Wars Underworld Network. All right. So it's been very slow on the news, as we kind of said off the top. And I'm thinking about a topic, you know, the last couple of days. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, we could vamp for an hour. That's perfectly fine. Um, but I was thinking outside the box. And, and within the last week, I have watched Rebel Moon. And as I said off the top, like the, this was originally heavily inspired by Star Wars. Zack Snyder wanted this to be part of Star Wars. But he went his own way with Netflix. So, yeah, I watched the movie. I enjoyed it for the most part. I was really hooked on it from the get-go, and then it kind of 
more or less lost me towards the end of it, but you know, it's, it's kind of a review episode, but not really because it's just really okay. This movie's sci fi, but not as much fantasy, and that's what Star Wars sci fi fantasy is. So, in other words, this, this, this episode, whatever we're trying to discuss here, getting at the point of all this is. Okay, what makes Star Wars Star Wars compared to other sci-fi? So we're shining the light between these two properties, and that kind of gives us, hey, maybe there's some things we like about Rebel Moon that we actually like more, more than, than Star Wars. Hey, we're going we're gonna to identify these things. But I'll throw it over to you. What, what Just in general, what was your overall impressions of Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, Ben? Oh, I mean, for starters, it was definitely a Zack Snyder movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I love Zack Snyder, too. Like, I, you know, I, I'm... Like, he's one of my favorite directors. Like, of course, he's not on the level of, like, Christopher Nolan or Spielberg, anybody like that. But Zack Snyder's one of my favorite, you know, favorite directors. I just, I just like his, I think, I think for me, like, like, honestly, like, with a lot of his work, I like his camera work a lot in most of his projects. Like, I feel like his cinematography is always, it's so unique, you know, when you watch it, you know it's a Zack Snyder produced movie. Like, you, you, you know, you can just tell by the way it's shot. Um... But I I just like that style of shooting. Um, and then for this movie as a whole, like my initial like thoughts and impressions, like you said, I enjoyed it for the most part. Like I enjoyed a lot of the um the characters, the action. Um, you know, it had a, it definitely had a lot of a new hope vibes to it, to say the least, I would say. Especially yeah. like, you know, you, you have your innocent you know, your quote-unquote, like, your farm village being ruled upon by the bad guys, a.k.a. the Empire, like, you know, like, it had major A New Hope vibes um, to, to certain parts of it, to a certain to a certain degree. But then, you know, you also had, like, with it being a Netflix show, Netflix movie, they could be, like, more violent and more, um, you know, like that, like, more edgy than, say, a Star Wars movie ever could be. So, you know, you have those sorts of things... And then, you know, some of the sequences, like, when I was watching it, you know, I was thinking about Star Wars when I was watching watching it, because I was like, man, you know, some of the sequences, like, you could imagine, like, if you put a Star Wars filter over it, like, you know, I could see where this could be, like, a Star Wars thing, like, you know, certain scenes, the way certain scenes are shot, the way they look, the way some of the characters and the bad guys are, um, the way, like, you know, we get, like, the the villain at the end, like, making the threat to the other little villain and stuff and all that. Like, that felt really like, you know, Vader going to the Emperor type <laughs> thing, you know? Like, it felt like yeah. that, like, like we had those type of vibes. And and, and trust me, like, I, I really enjoyed the movie, but I am terrible with, with names on this movie. Like, I, yeah. I honestly don't remember the names. Um... But, like, you know, you have the bad guy meeting with the, like, the lower bad guy at the end and stuff. So, it's kind of like your Vader-Emperor meeting type deal. Um, and it just had a lot of Star Wars vibes to a degree for some of it. But, um, but like you said, it, it, it did, toward the end of it is where it kind of loses you. Because, like, like you said, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's just, when it comes to this movie, it really feels like they took and chopped a movie in half. Like, it feels like this was truly, like, a part one. And, like, I think there's a chance we, we, we go to watch the second movie, and you could, you could when we watch it, we'll be like, we could just splice these two movies together into one mega, like, five-hour movie or something. Like, you know, like, 
I, I just feel like they they just cut a movie in half because when it ends, it's like, oh, we're at the end, like you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of my sentiments relate to yours in that, Ben. I like how this. First off, I like, and we'll dive in. We could dive in each one of these things individually for the discussion, but. I like yeah. the world building. I was I was on when we got that little opening sequence of the slain king and this empire mm-hmm. and all over the galaxy. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is pretty good building up. Uh, you even get the chosen one kind of references, kind of. Yeah, know, it's so, like the, yep. You know, go on. I love the iconography of like Roman type stuff in a sci-fi universe. I mean, this is the guy that gave us 300. So it's not a big surprise that he would also be dipping into that, but then dipping into like kind of Nazi stuff, right? Like these officers and that's what Star Wars did originally, right? Like the Imperial officers are basically, it's like, that's the regime of the Nazis essentially is the empire. Um, So you got that whole thing, which is not original, right? Just Star Wars did it. but this idea of a character that was so much... This is what's different about Star Wars that I appreciate as a character. I believe her name is Korra, yep. I think, right? Um, how her upbringing was like so turbulent, so traumatic. She's working for the for these guys and then rebelled. And then she's getting these flashbacks and telling these stories. And it just... She was a, a rich, she's like the, the rich character out of this whole story. And, and hopefully she is because she's the main character out of all these characters. But yeah, the, I mean, the combat, this is like you said, this is very much a Zack Snyder movie. You can, you could totally see a lot of that slow-mo and I love that stuff. I'm actually, it's not yeah. for everybody. And a lot of people are just it's gratuitous violence for no reason, but I expect it. It doesn't bother me. And I think it's quite flashy, and it was really cool going from that first sequence when we saw Cora sticking up for that girl that was, you know, being harassed and all that. I thought that was really cool, and then like the idea of like the weaponry and the guns and everything around that. Now, there, there's the creature design. I, I gotta call that creature design out because going from like the steeds that they ride on around the the original planet i see i'm bad with names too um and i don't have notes in front of me i guess i should have been better prepared but that's whatever um the horses look like they just had a mask thrown on horses they were just walking around like there are some budgetary things that i question okay like really you couldn't just do a a little bit more unique of a design because this looks too much like earth and then mm. another thing was the like they basically just had a griffin that they were trying to tame. There was really no difference between that and any other griffin I've ever seen in like Witcher Three Wild Hunt or any like D and D or anything like like it was, the, the the designs needed some work if in my opinion. I think they have a great world building, great ideas. I liked seeing the jet setting of this entire story going from one planet to a different kind of colony there and back. It really made the fee- the world feel big and great. I like how we jump into the story immediately after these certain events. That's what Star Wars does with the New Hope. You're, you're in the middle of a battle that's happening right before your eyes and you're just thrust into it. I think a lot of good action stories usually benefit from a story where you go fast paced in and you're getting some of the, uh, you're getting some of the exposition and that's the thing I don't like is like there's a lot of exposition in this. Sometimes it's better to like just show, don't tell. Um, 
so yeah there's there's an exact you know this is a mixed bag for me it's a mixed bag for me um overall i agree from a certain perspective what you were saying about oh yeah this feels like half a movie i feel Mm -hmm. like there was a lot of stuff that it's not that it's like the half of the whole for me i just feel like the reason why we don't remember these characters' names is because they don't leave an impression because they don't have time to leave an impression because you're going, as much as I like the jet setting around, planet hopping, it's just kind of out of blur. You're meeting one guy for 10 minutes, then another girl for 10 minutes, then this character for 10 minutes. And they don't get a time, they don't get enough time to shine and they just float into the background and they just become this like nameless band of rebels that just doesn't really do much for me. And I think that's the main thing for me is it just doesn't feel like I should care about these characters at all. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think as well, I'm like with that, it's like, you know, I I feel like maybe he's going for more of, maybe that's his intent. Like, you know, you have Korra as the main person and then the rest of it's like, you know, building up kind of like your rebellion type type thing i guess um but like for me with some of the characters like like when it came to uh like i wish we had more time with like the villain at the end because when we got to that i was like man this is interesting because you know it's like your villain looming over everybody type vibes yeah like kind of like your emperor stuff and i was like man i wish we had more stuff with him just because you know his character seemed interesting um so yeah like like you said it just i think the world building is like world building the you know the world building the classic like Zack Snyder's yep. action stuff mm-hmm. you know that all the Zack Snyder tropes i think he hit out of the park like they were all really good it's just some of the other aspects of it where you know where to say i guess where Zack Snyder ventured out of Zack Snyder's you know specialty stuff like mm-hmm. when he ventured out to the other type of um you know, stuff you have in a movie, that's where things got a little shaky, you know, like character balance on like, you know, you know, what character to have more story time or less story time or whatever. And then like, you know, continuing to like blend them into the story. And like, for me, you know, like you were saying, like, it felt like, you know, like, like with the world building stuff, he did good on that. Cause you know, and that mimics a lot of his stuff he's done before in the past. Like, you know, in the, in both 300 movies, you're jumping around from like, you know, main Spartacus to the bad guys, you know, or like in Rise, you jump around from like the bad guys to the main Spartacus to, um, you know, to the other people. And then like even in Man of Steel, you have Krypton, you have Superman in Russia or wherever he's at at the beginning. And then you have like Lois Lane and her story. Like, so you, he's good at bouncing around stories like that. It's just this movie, I think what it was, was, you know, if you think about a movie like Man of Steel, the reason that movie's um, so well put together, or even even 300, in my opinion, 300, I think, is his best movie, um, the first, the original one. But, like, even that movie, you have, like, a core group of, like, three characters that are focused on versus, like, this movie, you have, like, so many characters. It's like, boom, 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 yeah. boom. We're getting all these characters thrown at us versus just focusing on, like, Korra, the bad guy, and maybe, like, another side character or something. Like, this one, it's like, you know, we have this character, this character, this character, like, you know, this random farmer, this person, like, Mm. you know, all these characters versus just focusing on, like, your main three or four characters. Oh, yeah. I I think 
the element this is missing, and I'm not, not necessarily saying this automatically makes any movie bad for not having this sci-fi, but like any element of like the mystical side of things. There's no supernatural, mm. right? There's no force entity or anything like that. And that I think when it comes down to Star Wars, that is the biggest thing for me that really sets it apart itself apart in a higher tier than everything else because it's that like magic sense mixed with the the realism and there's just nothing of the sort in this at all. Yeah. I mean I saw someone say and I, I can't like argue it too hard but it's kind of like you know someone i saw someone post i can't take credit for it but they were like you know this is kind of like a sci-fi version of 300 to a degree and like Mm. i can't like can't argue that too hard because it's you know has a lot of the similar vibes as that so you know like you said like with um you know more like the religion like that vibe of like the force or like some entity um you know, maybe even if he would have included like more of like an entity of like you know some type of god or you know something like that in this, maybe that would help. Of would have helped this potentially a little better, um, because you know one of the biggest reasons like say A New Hope works out so well, in my opinion, is like Alec Guinness sells the Force so well. Yeah. And like in my opinion, like the entire seek that entire scene of Alec Guinness like talking to Obi or Obi Wan talking to Luke in the hut about the force, about the ha- the past, you know, about the dark times, that entire sequence, that's one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars, I think, in terms of just, like, impact on, like, not just in-universe, but out- outside of the universe, because that scene sold Star Wars for a lot of people. Like, it got a lot of people on board to believe in this whole mystical force power, basically. You know, because, like, for all intents and purposes, like, if he doesn't sell that scene, then maybe... You know, the entire audience is more like Han Solo in the movie where he doesn't, you know, care about the Force and doesn't believe in it. So, um, you know, Alec Guinness, like, you know, the way they made that scene in A New Hope, like, that was one of the big reasons Star Wars worked. So, like, this movie's kind of, like, you know, lacking that. But, you know, and it's so hard to... This this is one of my things about comparing things to Star Wars. It's so hard to compare stuff to Star Wars because, like, Star Wars is, like, a top five six-ish ip of all time and then you have like everything else so it's like it's it's so hard to compare but i mean this does have its elements where it's similar but it definitely has elements where it's very different oh yeah for sure for sure i mean as far as uh getting into the actual heart of it right like if a story doesn't really have heart almost like what's the point right like, you got to find something to latch on about. We go to movies, we experience these cinematics to really get invested, leave the world behind, and then get into something. And for here, I couldn't feel as attached. I, I feel like the most attached I got was the robot, right? It's kind of like the take on C-3PO in a sense, where it's this, this robot is working for the bad guys, and then he has, like, sentience about him. He's got, like... It's funny because I just got done with the Dark Droids. Um, big crossover that's been happening over five months with Star Wars Marvel. And you have this character of Ajax Sigma, who is, speaking of religion, he's got like this religious kind of background. You know, the first revelation in his eyes is the eye. You know, a droid actually acknowledging, like like L337 and Solo, acknowledging that they are independent. They are their own 
being. They are alive, essentially, not just a machine. They are self-aware. So the idea that this robot like, understands that, has that conversation with that girl, and then is able to make the call and like shoot the bad guy at the end and save the day. I thought that was great. That was one of the best moments of the whole movie. And again, I was in the beginning of the movie, so things kind of pick up speed. I feel like they had a good pace at that point. But then as soon as they left the planet, that's when things started getting like a little bit too like, all right, let's let's maybe slow down just a little bit. Oh, yeah. when Once they left the planet, it was just like boom, 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 all over the place with a lot of the different things. And like you said, that droid was was a really good part of the movie, I think, in my, in my opinion, for the characters. And in terms of like kind of like the heart of it. And, um, you know, like you were saying, like with kind of the heart of it, like, you know, like in Star Wars, you have you know, the heart with the different characters, like, you know, obviously in like A New Hope, um, because that's kind of like the example I feel like Zach would probably yeah. got inspiration from. Um, like, you know, in A New Hope, you have Luke, you have Alec Guinness, or you have Luke, you have Obi-Wan, you have, you know, obviously Luke has the heart of it, you know, he has to deal with his parents get or um, aunt and uncle getting killed, you know, he's dealing with all this stuff, like, you know, there's good heart to that movie and even if you like even step outside of that movie like if you look at like like that's the that's the funny thing about this movie is like like when, even if you look at Zach's a lot of Zach's other work like he's been pretty good in my opinion at doing like the whole character heart thing like you know in 300 you like like you have Leonidas and then you have Leonidas's wife Lena Headley the one who you know um plays yep. Cersei from Game of yep. Thrones you know, that whole story stuff with her is great as like a B-plot storyline. And at the end, you know, she kills she kills the one guy in front of like the court of men. Like, you know, she kills the guy, um, you know, who was like coming at her about um, Leonidas and everything. And it's like such a good B-plot storyline. It's fulfilling and all that stuff, even for her character, much less Leonidas by the end of it. So like, you know... Like, Zack's done good heart with his characters before, so that's why, like, in this movie, it's kind of like, you know, did he try to go, like, way too on the nose with some of this stuff of, like, okay, let's just try to put together what I would think, like, a Star Wars movie would be versus, like, like, okay, how can I explain this? Like, like, maybe Zack was thinking, like, okay, what would I think a Star Wars would be versus, like, what would be the best way I could make a Star Wars movie? You know, that's, it's different. Like, you know, what you're, you know, if I'm like, kind of like giving my inspiration, not my inspiration, like instead of me using my talent and stuff to make a Star Wars movie, I'm trying to make something that I think looks like a Star Wars movie. You know what I'm saying? It's two, two totally different things. Like, because if they would say hired him to make this as like, his Star Wars movie, or, like, a Star Wars movie versus, like, you know, what he would think is a Star Wars movie, I think you get two different things be just because it's, like, you know, it's 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 different when you impersonate something versus creating something, you know? Yeah, my biggest thing, right, even without the Force, um, big, strong, emotional moment, one of the best moments in a Star Wars saga in general is Luke on his homestead at the sunset of the Twin Suns, pondering his life and where he's going to go with the Force theme playing behind him. It's one of the most powerful moments in cinema, period. And, yeah, we don't get anything like that in this movie, right? It's just, it's like, all right, let's go from point A to point B. It's, it, 
it's mainly more about plots than it is about character story. Yeah. Um, if you kind of understand what I mean by that. Oh yeah, it definitely it definitely feels like it's more like plot driven for sure, where it's more just like kind of checkboxy versus like you know fleshing out some of these characters, fleshing out some of these moments. Like you know maybe you should have had a moment with like. Cora's character where things slow down a little bit more. Maybe she had like a reflection moment. I mean, heck, even if even if Zack wanted to go kind of like on the nose with it and like have a moment of her like staring and looking off at like, you know, something like, you know, just just do something like if you're going to, you know, if you're going to try to make like a Star Wars movie and kind of like impersonate some of the things like you might as well just impersonate some of the better moments at this point, you know? <laughs> um, so, like, it's like, like, I mean, that's my thing. Heck, you, you know, you're already 60% is 50, 60% of the way there on some of the stuff. You might as well go up to 90 or 80. Like, um, might as well, you know, I, I think he should have included some of the stuff like that. Like, you know, maybe give her, like, more of, like, a reminiscing type moment or something. Or, you know, just something... You know, just something to add that little bit of heart that was kind of, like, needed to this movie versus, you know, just making it a big, like, action plot, like, experience. I mean, heck, even even in, like, the, the sequel to 300, Rise of an Empire, like, in that movie, you know, you have, you have good character heart with, you have the main Spartan, I can't think of his name, but then you have um, Eva Green's character. She's, like, you know, the empress, like, the evil empress, hmm. and you have her entire backstory of where she you know, grew up as like a slave on a slave ship and all this stuff. And she worked her way up from, you know, being this poor little slave girl to ruling the entire empire, basically. And, you know, become this evil villain. So like, you know, like that's the baffling thing, I think, for me with this movie. Like when I watched it, that was one of the things I thought about was like, man, you know, like he's done good with some of his character heart on some of his characters before in the past. And it's just like this one, it's kind of, kind of a whiff. It's like, where it's just like, like you said, it's just kind of like plot plot points basically. Mm. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. Cause you're saying, you know, maybe just mimic more scenes from star Wars. Essentially. I thought like the most egregious part of this movie was when they go to the town on the, on the same starter planet, the farming planet, they go to like the, the little city and it's basically the Maz Eisley of of this place right it's like you walk in there's like rough housing going on there's bounty hunters they walk literally walk into like the same cantina of Miles Eisley right there the same things play out it's like the person you know it's Cora goes up somebody's getting a rough with her she takes a guy down there's a bar fight and there's another guy that's a pilot there saying hey I can give you a ride where do you want to go it's literally beat for beat Star Wars and that was just so <laughs> egregious to me I said Oh my gosh! They just—he just did his own Star Wars right here. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't see, know like, how I'd feel about a whole movie being like that. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, see that—that's the thing. Like, I think there's a balance though. Where, okay, if you don't go, maybe don't go on the nose with like a scene like that. But, you know, take some of the the style, the the symbolism from the Star Wars movies. Like I said, like you know, the the Luke staring off into the sunset. Give us a moment. And, you know, maybe not Cora staring into the sunset, but maybe her, like, you know, like, I don't even know, like, reflecting on something or, like, you, you know, just something. Like, like just, you know, I, I can't come up with a creative idea on the spot, but you know what I mean? Just give us something that would be meaningful to her character that would be more impactful to, you know, say, the viewing audience as a whole as well. Because, like, that Luke scene is one of the most iconic scenes in Star Wars. Like, I've seen that gif... 
I've seen the gif of Luke like staring off into the sunset posted so many times on social media before. And, you know, it's because it's just like an iconic scene. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see how the second part of this movie plays out for sure. And I think it's only coming out, I mean, here in February or March, like it's soon. So we'll, we'll find out very soon. Uh, no, I think we have to wait until April. Is it? Oh, I was thinking it was here s- sooner than that, but I know. Oh, dang. So, okay, yeah. So April then, yeah. That's so why. We got... Yeah, that's why I feel like did they really need to separate it? Couldn't they have just released these parts sooner? Because honestly, part one doesn't even feel complete. If you know what I mean, I, I kind of get that notion you were saying before. Now it's like when you look at this part one a whole, it's just getting these people into action, but nothing really happens except the the villain dies but then comes back to life again in a weird apparatus and that's one thing i do like about this it's just the crazy technology of it all and how that integrates with with their people there the humans whatever even if they are humans i don't know but it's just interesting how i think that was really good the prop design the idea that these guns are, you know, DNA tracked to people and they'll blow up in your hand if you're not them. Like, that was a really cool touch. I, I did enjoy that. And yeah. I overall like the idea that this is more violent. But I'm just wondering why couldn't it be rated R? Like, go all the way, right? Like, I think this was originally pitched to be rated R, which is why Lucasfilm didn't take it up. So I'm scratching my head thinking what the heck because then there's reports going around that Zack Snyder said oh this wasn't my I have an unedited I have an unedited version of this movie which is different or something have you heard anything about yeah no there's there's literally like a Snyder cut of this Mm. movie I think that's like he's rated our version of this movie see and the 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 crazy thing like I don't know here we go getting to the like um Hashtag make the Snyder Cut happen or release the Snyder Cut. Release the release the Snyder Cut part two, I guess. But but um you know, the crazy thing to say about all that is like it's not even like a big like tinfoil hat conspiracy because the thing is we've seen it happen before with his movies. Like, look, we see what happened with Justice League. Like, don't get me wrong, Zach did work on this movie, clearly, obviously. Like, he worked on it and stuff. But you know, we saw when you watch Justice League, the Wheaton version, where Zach had to leave it, um, obviously because of um, the tragic stuff that happened with his daughter, but like, you know, when he had to leave that versus the actual Snyder Cut, those are completely different movies. So it just makes you wonder now, is it like, oh no, are we in another situation where like, we have this version of the movie, and then like, if th- if they release like a three and a half hour version of this movie, would would it be like, drastically different? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking this up now on Screen Rant. Zack Snyder clarifies details about Rebel Moon's director's cut. He clarifies just how different this cut would be. Uh, okay, Zack Snyder's director cut of Rebel Moon Part 1 will be a completely different movie with a different vision for the franchise. Unlike many director's cuts, Snyder's cut is not just an extended version, but a new universe within the movie. <laughs> the director's cut... Oh will be a fully realized R-rated version of the movie that reflects Snyder's original vision. What? Does it say if it's coming out? 
Oh my gosh, let's see. Created and directed by Zack Snyder, Rebel Moon was released. Okay, no, no, no. Uh, no, this is not... Okay, here we go. Here's a quote. It's not an extended cut of this movie. It's almost like a different movie. It's almost a different universe that the R-rated cut lives in than this movie. The reason for that is because it's such a philosophical thing to shoot a director's cut of a movie before you finish this version. All of my director's cuts existed as a response to things that were demanded by me to be taken out of the theatrical version, right? With Rebel Moon, that demand was never really made. We knew it would be a PG-13 movie in my heart of hearts. I'd always wanted it to be rated R, but you realize that sort of scale and cost in a movie like this, well, it's not 100% responsible to have to be that kind of demand. They were like, what if we said, uh, do whatever you want to do over here. Do the, PG uh, do the PG-13 version and then go nuts with the other cut. We don't care. That was a thing I've never experienced before. It will be a really crazy experience for fans because it's the fully realized weirdo, heavy metal, bizarro land movie. Well, that is crazy. <laughs> so that that means we're getting that eventually. Yeah. I so say. I think Netflix was like, okay, I bet you this is what it is. I bet you if part one does whatever numbers it needs to do, if there's enough demand, they'll be like, okay, make make the, the R-rated cut. Well, and I think, think about it. Yeah. Oh, go on. No, I'm saying that's why this movie feels the way it does. That's why it feels like it's missing things mm. because this wasn't his real vision, but they couldn't back him on a budget with an R-rated movie that wasn't proven to this level on Netflix. Well, here's a thing to think about too. Here we go talking about. I mean, gosh, not even conspiracy. Zach literally confirmed it. Um, <laughs> but, but. Um, Here's kind of your Netflix conspiracy with all this, too. Think about it this way. For marketing, okay, you release this version, and then six months from now, you go, the official Snyder Cut of Rebel Moon coming out December 2024 or something. Like, you know, because think about all the hype around the Snyder Cut for Justice League. You had that whole thing. So, like, maybe Netflix is looking at it kind of like a DC-esque thing of, like, hey, we can capitalize on fans getting into the director's cut of the movies. Yeah, but I don't understand this because I it doesn't even sound like they even wrote a... Well, maybe he did write a script knowing him, but like it doesn't sound like they filmed two separate movies, though. They would have to call back the entire cast and everything to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to shoot this entire movie again, but it's guess what? It's actually completely different. This is unprecedented. This has never been done before <laughs> at yeah, all. This is interesting. I mean... See, that's the thing, too. Like like you said, before you even got into that whole article, you said it was kind of like, you know, you wanted them just to go all the way with it. And it really feels like it. Like, I mean, look how Zach confirmed it basically right there. You know, you have it as a PG-13 and, you know, it really could, you know, for it to be like fully fleshed, fleshed out, it would have been rated R. And I feel like part of Zach's like PG-13 th thing, too, was in the back of his head like, oh, you know, we got to be kind of like Star Wars. We can't have it rated R. You know, probably... In the back of his head, he was thinking about that. So that's why, you know, you probably scale some of that stuff back. And, you know, that's where, see, that's where I would have preferred Zack Snyder to say, you know what, I'm going to do my inspirations from Star Wars. You know, thank you, Star Wars, for the inspirations. 
but I'm going to give you a rated R Star Wars, you know, and lean into it. Like, just lean into it. Don't, you know, don't be scared. Just lean into it versus like, you know, trying to play it close to the vest and conservative. And then, then you come out with a movie like this, or like you said, it feels like it's missing a lot of things, certain points. And look, you know, we round about, we get to this interview with him basically saying, yeah, like the actual version is completely different. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe a year and a half from now, we might be having the same podcast again with how does the Snyder cut of Rebel Moon compare with Star Wars? <laughs> we might have some more some more discussions based on that. But yeah, that is quite interesting. Quite interesting because yeah. then it's like, all right, what what version? Okay, this is not the canonical version of the story anymore. If you want to watch PG-13, go watch that. Then you're going to have the stalwarts that are like, yeah, the PG-13 is the better version and then the, mm -hmm. the extended edition or you know you might not even you know maybe they'll call it rebel moon instead of child what is it called child of fire or something like that yep. maybe he'll just have like new subtitles and that's how you'll be able to tell the difference between them i mean it might just be literally like on um, hbo where it says justice league 2017 and uh, Justice League, the Snyder Cut, twenty twenty or whatever year it was. Yeah, might literally just say, you know, Rebel Moon, you know, the Snyder Cut or something. <laughs> or actually, it might they might have to change that verbiage maybe because of copyright, but it might be like the Snyder Edition or something. Hmm. Yeah, but that's but... that's interesting. Like now that you said that, it makes me think then going into this next movie because it's it's clearly shot already, the one that's coming out in April. Like, it's clearly done and in the can. So that means, most likely, if we extrapolate this out, there's probably a director's cut of the next thing that we're going to watch. Well, you know, there's probably. Of, yeah. Yeah, go on. I'm, I'm kind of like almost. I mean, I'm going to. I always watch these things, but it's kind of like in the back of my head, I'm like, what's the point of this? Because he's going to be making the definitive version of his vision. So we're watching this now as a placeholder for what might be showing potential for whatever might come down the line with this. So there's always this sense of, uh, am I wasting my time? I'm going to watch anyway because it's a good popcorn action. Yep. But it's like, okay, what are we really doing here? <laughs> yeah, it just, it just feels like... Like, I think what it is, more, the more that we discuss it, the more that we think, I think about it, I think it's kind of like... He signed his deal with Netflix and they were like, hey, we want a project soon or something, you know, and he pretty much said, hey, let's do let's do my idea for the Star Wars Rebel Moon thing. And then, you know, they did it. They did it quick. And that wasn't his actual version. You know, like you said, the rated R version is is like the completely different universe type that he was going for. So, it, you know, is this kind of like, oh, no, here we go with like sequel trilogy references but is this kind of like our force awakens last jedi rise of skywalker uh -oh. kind of all kind of all getting hey we, it, it's not an outer room transmission podcast if i don't throw, have to throw them in there but um <laughs> but is this kind of like a situation how we had like force awakens and last jedi where those movies were being written at the exact same time you know they were i mean in bob Iger's biography like he pretty much oh indirectly confirms like you know they they kind of put the pressure on Lucasfilm like we want movies ASAP you know we want them out now like you know so those movies were kind of rushed aka that's why there was such a loose plan with them is this kind of a similar situation where like Zach got his deal with Netflix like he you know he left his 
HBO stuff, or he left his Warner Brothers stuff, and went to Netflix, is this kind of his thing now where it's like, hey, you know, we want something from, you know, why are we paying you however much money we're paying you? You know, we want a movie now. So, like, maybe that's why this movie got just pushed out because they wanted it, you know, to meet a quota potentially. Yeah, I mean, they have to appease by subscribers. Um, uh, but yeah, it's crazy. You know, Netflix, they, they release new stuff every single week. You, you really can't keep track. I I miss the old days of Orange is the New Black and House of Cards because those were like the only two original programs they had. Nowadays, it's like they don't put out trailers for barely anything and you're just expected to like go on the, the main screen and be like, Oh, your new season is up there, or whatever. There's not a lot there. There's a lot of stuff to churn through, right? How do you make noise? Uh, and then it's like, how do you make noise against Max or Disney Plus with their Star Wars and their Marvel content? So this is like Netflix's sci-fi, right? Netflix has their their fantasy series with Witcher. This is their kind of take to combat against Star Wars, but you know, in a different format since it is a movie on on streaming. But, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of potential here. I think he's built something really cool that, you know, every one of these characters that are introduced essentially could have their own spinoff series. So I'm just curious to be like, are they really just going to make this a two-part movie? Are they going to, you know, expand the universe, so to speak, of, oh, are they going to create maybe an animated series for a certain character? Or maybe they'll actually have a prequel movie about how this king got slain and the battle yeah. with that. Or there's, there's, I will say, just like Star Wars in the original 1977, there's a lot of great stuff that is said in dialogue, such as the Clone Wars, that it took them 30 years real time to actually tell a story set in the Clone Wars, right? So there's a lot of fertile territory. And just like George Lucas, I think Zack Snyder has a good head on his soldiers for how to create good storytelling and how to create um, fiction that has long breaths of life and that could just evolve over time. I, I am curious. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely curious to see where they go with it because that was kind of my thinking as well. Is like, is this, are these two movies kind of your quote-unquote original trilogy? And then, you know, like you said, they mentioned the king before getting slain, the slain king. Like, that whole thing... I feel like they didn't name drop that and put that in there for like no, you know, like for nothing. Like I could see them eventually, you know, maybe a couple of years from now doing a prequel and doing, you know, maybe instead of Star Wars doing sequels, they just do duologies. Like maybe their prequel era is going to be two movies. And then the, you know, if they do a sequel era, two movies mm. um, or, or anything like that, um, you know, because like. Zack Snyder, like, builds out his universes. I mean, look at, like, the DCEU. Like, you have those movies yeah. kind of, like, build out and build up to the Justice League stuff. Um, and then, you know, even his 300 movies, like, just those two movies, you have them crossing over with each other, obviously. Um, and then, um, also, another thing, too, to keep in mind with Netflix, like I said, you know, Zack Snyder's in business with them. You know, I'm pretty sure, if they're not already, I haven't looked into them, but I was reading an article a few weeks back over Christmas break that, you know, um, like the Snyder movies are supposed to be coming to Netflix at some point this year, I believe. Like yeah, the Snyder, yeah. the Snyder DC movies. Like, yeah. so like, obviously like they're in business with them in pretty good cahoots with them. So like maybe, 
like you said, maybe he's going to be able to develop his own kind of Snyder verse for Rebel Moon. Like maybe this is going to be like their kind of like Disney Plus Star Wars. Yep, it's going to be I like think. their their thing. Yeah, they're 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 doing it kind of reverse order. Maybe, maybe they're trying to do reverse order of the, from what um, the MCU was, right? I, instead of building up to the Avengers, they essentially show us the Avengers, and then they take a sequel approach where they're like, okay, you've seen all these characters involved, some of them cool abilities like red fiery blades that can emit, um, now let's get a story about that character, or a story about this character, and then we build up to the next one, so... Yeah, you know, we've seen the downfall of DCU because unfortunately there wasn't enough groundwork laid prior to Justice League to really get people excited to really show us some weight of the of the whole thing. I don't know. We got to watch part two still, and we got to watch apparently whatever this next iteration of his own vision <laughs> is already. <laughs> to really yeah, get hey, a good I mean, idea. That's that's hilarious. I did not even know about that until you brought it up on here. So hey, it's good. It's good to know. Like that puts that movie. See, like, I mean, like you said, we both we both, you know, for the most part, like this movie. It was like you said, it was a good popcorn. Like this movie is exactly what I'd imagine sitting down and watching like a random Netflix movie. Like this mm -hmm. is literally a random. You know, it's it feels like a random Netflix Zack Snyder movie. Um, and like now that I know there's actually more to it it kind of lightens like you know i enjoyed this movie but even it lightens my mm -hmm. like critique on the movie even more because it's like well you know we really didn't see what the movie was actually supposed to be so like how you know, you know if, okay here's an easy one like if you go and chop up a new hope seven different ways like would we really like that movie the same way like no. if you cut out like I don't know. You cut out Luke's sunset scene. You cut out, um, you know, Obi-Wan talking to Luke in the X-Wing. You cut out some of those, like, moments. You you know, those type of things. Like, maybe the movie doesn't hit near as well. I mean, heck, even if you go back to, like, the major edit, um, change Darth Vader's voice back to <laughs> the original guy. Like, go do, go do that. And that would, that would drastically change that movie. So, like, you know, it just makes you wonder, like what the actual like rated R version is supposed to look like. And like, even in Zack Snyder's words, it's a, it's pretty much like a totally different like universe. So it's like, mm. what in the world, you know, you know, what are we working with here? But, but I feel like in my opinion with rebel moon, they probably, I mean, you know, Netflix doesn't release their numbers. So we will never know, but wait, did they it, release them though? I don't know if they did. They they usually yeah. Don't Rebel release, Moon like, is like the top rated show. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So well, so here's the thing. That this is the thing. What I was meaning was like, I feel like just in general, like without even you saying that, I feel like in general, like this this movie had enough buzz, like just in just from people talking about it, the hype around it going into it, and it was over the holiday season, so like it it probably got viewed a lot. And even from the people, like, the critics that were, like, you know, like, really, like, like shredding this movie to pieces, the thing is, a lot of times when people, when critics shred movies to pieces, that gets a lot of people's ears perked up, because you're like, man, I want to go see why that movie's so bad, you know? There's a, there's a lot of people that do that. Yeah, so... So, so yeah. 
I got an update on the numbers from Screen Rant again. Um, shortly oh, after its release on December 21st, the first part of Zack Snyder's sci-fi epic is officially the number one movie on Netflix for the week of December 18th through 24th. Rebel Moon Part 1 of Child of Fire received 54.1 million hours viewed and 23.9 million total views, taking the number one spot on Netflix's global top 10. 29 million views? That's... That's good for a random sci-fi movie like this, basically. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't know. I don't think the creators or the, the, the execs at Netflix really care about negative reviews. They're looking at how much people get to watch the thing. You know, how many millions of views of hours do they get? And that will just be like, okay, well, that those are subscribers. That's, that's money in our eyes. Doesn't matter. Okay. It's like if the movie did, you know... 500 million at the box office and it has like a 20% around tomatoes who that cares that movie just made a money you know well, <laughs> they'll make the another thing. one it doesn't matter there's been so many sequels of bad movies that have been made simply because they have generated money for the company to print money and it's just like okay we're gonna just keep it going yeah i mean look look uh you know not to like always dog on episode eight but look at the last jedi it was so divisive so many fans don't like it whatsoever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that movie made a lot of money. So, of course, I mean, and it's Star Wars. Like, you have to continue making Star Wars. But even if that wasn't, like, Star Wars on the label. Like, if you have that exact movie happen and it makes, like, one point... I think it made 1.4 or something. It was it was over a mil. It was mm, over a billion. Over a billion, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, like, one point... I think it was 1.4, maybe. Cl- it was close to 1.5, I think. So, anyways, around that range... You know, any movie that makes 1.4 billion, no matter how divisive it is, they're going to make another one because the viewership, the money. And like, you know, this obviously Netflix isn't a, a ticket service like a movie would be like, like in that scenario. But, you know, viewership, it being top 10 for that week, number one, et cetera, yeah. like all that stuff. Those are good numbers. And those are, you know, those are the numbers, for example, like Zack Snyder would need to be like, hey, look you know, executive, whoever, whatever your name is, my movie was number one and outshined all your other stuff. Let me make another movie. Like, you know, so it's like, it gives him credence to continue making it because, you know, what would have happened if he would have made that movie and it wouldn't even, wouldn't even have been in like the top 10 or 20 or anything. Yeah. Like, then, then they would have said, well, you know, we can't, we can't continue this. I mean, yeah. look, that's kind of what happened with Solo. Solo bombed and made like, I think 500, 450, 500 million. Like, so they, even though like a lot of people enjoy it now after the fact, they can't green light another movie because the pure numbers are, are terrible for that movie. So, hmm. so like with this movie, since the numbers were good, you know, it was, it was really good for that week, obviously, you know, that's like a big, that's a good sign for Netflix in their eyes. Like, Hey, you know, people want to see this stuff. So why not make another one? Yeah, and it's exactly the dilemma that George Lucas faced with Fox when making the original Star Wars. The original Star Wars is technically an independent movie because George Lucas used all his funds from THX 1138 and from American Graffiti, his own money, to just basically fund it. And he just said to 20th Century Fox, like, hey, yeah, you guys could put this, like, I don't know exactly what the deal was, but... Barely, like, they had, like, no control at all. Like, because he funded all of it himself. Yep. And that's the thing here. It's actually, this is what happens. The studios are 
getting in the weeds with the filmmakers and that's why we ended up with a PG-13 movie instead of a rated R movie that he actually wanted. So part of it is like, yeah, this movie feels weird, but part of it is like the studio literally was tampering with the with the vision, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, look, like, like I said, we saw that with Justice League, what happened there, like totally different vision got changed. Even like, you know, you see some of the stuff about um, who's the director of the first Suicide Squad? Um, David Ayer? David Ayer, yeah. You see some of the stuff about the mm -hmm. David Ayer cut, like, you mm -hmm. know, him talking about that whole thing. You know, so what? Did Warner tamper with his cut? Like, you know, so you have those type of things of, like, what was the director's, like, actual vision of the movie? And, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Like, it's so ironic. Like, you know, Zack Snyder has this happen to him at Warner Brothers. And now, like, we're dealing with this, like... A few years later with netflix and how oh, um and man. you know you know him probably personally when he goes home like when he went home after all this stuff to like his wife or something he was probably like man it's happening again um but uh but yeah i i think the thing is with like i said with him being in business with them and stuff like this is probably going to get made i would assume just because you know the numbers did well and the thing is you know, love him or hate him, you know, Zack Snyder, like, he he brings people into, like, he puts butts in seats to watch mm -hmm. his stuff. Whether good, bad, or anything, anywhere in between, like, you know, Zack Snyder, I don't know, he just makes his movies in a way where, like, people want to check him out either to enjoy him or, like, hate on him. But at the end of the day, you know, like you said, Netflix is looking for viewership. They're not necessarily caring about good or bad reviews. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So there you have it. I think we'll we'll leave it at that for at least this version. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we come back a year from now or whatever it could and, take. Or, or, in, or in April, <laughs> our follow-up in April. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We probably should do that, actually. We should probably <laughs> do that. You're right. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Um, but, yeah. So there you go. Let us know in the comment section down below or after the fact. What are your thoughts on Rebel Moon connections? Things you liked about it, things you didn't like about it. How does it compare with some of your favorite aspects of Star Wars, spaceships, weapons, thematics, characters, locations? Let us know in the comment section down below. For me on this channel, I haven't even said it yet, but I'll say in the podcast, I started a blog. So I have starraptorwrites.substack.com. I have put up a origin, an origin story of where I came up with the name Star Raptor. I also have a top 10 most anticipated games of 2024 ready for you guys to list, uh, list, uh, not listen to. I have to get used to saying read on over there, not watch, not listen, but to read over there on starraptor.substack.com. So yeah, I plan on regularly up updating that. I'm just scratching that little creative itch for the year 2024, trying something new. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a good thing to, uh, you know, get into like the whole writing thing. I did that for a really, really long time oh. for like years and years for hiking and um, outdoor gear, actually. Like yeah. I did that for... God, I did that for probably like six years, actually, um, of writing six or seven years of wow. writing and reviewing things and all that stuff. Like, so, you know, it's it's a rewarding thing to do. Um, but, you know, the big thing is like consistency when it yeah. comes to that, because like, you know, if you if you don't continually write or don't even have like a schedule, like because like 
you know, that's what I did back in the day when I was doing all those um, reviews and things and like write-ups. Um, I would have like a schedule, like I would, I would post an article like every Wednesday basically. And, you know, so people knew to come back and like tune into the website around then. So like, that was always a thing that I did back in the day, but yeah, like writing is a good creative outlet. I feel like, um, and yeah, I mean, Hey, people, people enjoy checking out interesting stuff. Yeah. So go ahead, subscribe. You can subscribe there as well as you can on YouTube. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't already. We go live every Sunday night here on the Star Raptor YouTube channel. Also, hit that bell icon. That way you'll definitely be notified when we go live. Because um, apparently I scheduled this for yesterday at 8.05 p.m. So <laughs> hopefully you guys weren't waiting around for a whole 24 hours just on the YouTube channel. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is now the 7th, apparently. Okay. Uh, but anyways, what are you going to be up to in the meantime, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be um, working out, finally back to working out after that little injury I had. So it's going to be exciting getting back into the swing of things tomorrow for for working out and getting back on track with my diet and just, like, really a, kind of a restart to the new year for me. Like, because... You know, last Monday I was kind of starting off the new year really well and then, then got hurt. And then, you know, I just had to take all of last week off to just do nothing, basically. So it's kind of like a wash. So now I'm just back to, you know, my new year starts tomorrow, basically. So it'll be a, it'll be a good time to get things going. And yeah, it should, it should just be a nice time getting back into working out. And then this week I don't have much going on other than... You know, just the normal weekly stuff. No new, no new Star Wars things. Maybe we get a Star Wars bit of Star Wars news later in the I week. Potentially. Really hope. I, yeah, I'm, I am gonna probably check out Echo though when it comes out, just because the trailers actually look good. I was very skeptical about the show when it was first announced. I was very skeptical to say the least, especially since they're dropping it all on one in one go. But now that I've seen like the trailers and stuff, it actually looks, you know, looks looks fine. Um, so I can't wait. I'm gonna probably yeah. I'm gonna check that out and yeah, that's about all I'm gonna do. Oh yeah, and then also to throw in here real quick, um, I know Milton mentioned that you know uh, he he en he really enjoyed Rebel Moon as well, like based on what he was saying in our chat. So you know that's something for you know maybe our listeners and viewers out there, like if you're wanting to check it out, you know maybe check it out because all three of us like you know fairly enjoyed it for the most part. So. You know, there's that. You can follow me on Twitter or X now, talking um, sports and fitness and movies and everything else in between at Real Ben Maynard. And you can follow me on Instagram at Real Ben Maynard. And then Milton, you can follow him, follow him on X at Milton Weber Seven, and then Milton Seven Weber on Instagram, where he um, he normally posts like his workouts and stuff. Actually, he's been posting those lately. I noticed. So yeah, you can find him there. Yeah, we should be back to a normal time at 7 p.m. next week along with Milton uh, returning to the show. Um, so stay tuned for that. So for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Staraptor, that's going to do it for the first episode in the Books for Outer Room Transmission 135. Thanks, everybody, for watching. May the Force be with you in transmission.